Dorian, thanks for uh, being a guest again. Man, this is great to talk to you, dude. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So it's funny because you and I have been, you know, in, you know, well, for, especially for those who are listening is that, you know, you and I have been in touch for, for years, you know, especially since you know 2018 and yeah. um, been kind of communicating back and forth about our love for folk music. And yeah. it, it, to me, it was such an interesting thing uh, to see you go into because coming out of blues pills which was a very blues infused hard rock kind of thing you know you came out of that and then all of the sudden you're putting out hungry ghost and i'm listening to it i'm i was mesmerized by it because you know in history not a lot of people leave bands and do something that is so different from what they did previously, you know? So was this like a side of you that always existed and that kind of felt, I don't know, kind of trapped while you were in blues pills or was it a whole new thing for you to discover? It kind of uh, devel- developed along the, the Blue Spills journey. So mm-hmm. it was like my first love of music was I started listening to ZZ Top when I was a kid and then Jimi Hendrix. And as a teenager, I wanted to play lead guitar and a bunch of solos and wah wah. And, and uh, I, then I started as a teenager uh, also listening to Neil Young. So I got a live at Massey Hall. Oh. 1971 on CD and I was blown away. So that kind of like started a, a love for more of a, you know, that uh, singer songwriter and mm-hmm. melodies and real songs instead of just jams and, and uh, sometimes de- demonstrations, you know, like on the technical abilities. Right. And then Neil Young was like just straight from the heart. So uh I was still into the the blues rock thing and I'm, I still love, you know, 70s heavy, heavy music. But more and more, I started to listen to Nick Drake, um, a bunch of stuff. Van Morrison also. I, oh, I yes. Yes. So that kind of got me into less of a, you know, there's not much riffs, many riffs in those records, but it's based on the songs and the. You know, just like now when I listen to ZZ Top, I did this morning, actually, I still love it. But it's Mm -hmm. sometimes I think the lyrics are just not, you know, it's always about getting it's it's very simple when you're used Mm -hmm. to hearing Van Morrison uh, and, uh, you know, those kind of profound lyrics. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like where uh, why I got so deep in folk music is that. There's a real meaning that's beyond just showing off, you know, that sometimes happens when you play rock and roll and you want to get laid and you're young. <laughs> that was kind of like, a, you know, a side of me where I wanted to just express a bit more of a, uh, an actual feeling. And, and also I had to let go of um, of being the guy that just plays electric guitar, you know, it was kind of like a mental thing for a while as I was still playing in blues pills to 
it felt strange to be putting out a record just acoustic and singing and just really different style but it, it just felt like what i really wanted to express like if i didn't do it i'd kind of be frustrated musically mm -hmm. so that was kind of like following the creative impulse right and i'm, and I'm glad that you know you find it surprising and uh, and people now they talk to me about nick drake and and uh, other folk music where uh, back in the days people always talked to me about uh, heavy metal bands or Michael Schenker, you know, as a scorpion oh, yeah. guitar players and yeah. it's, it's all great stuff, but it, it's, uh, it's great to, uh, to base to, yeah, I, I just uh, got more into folk music and it's, uh, it's also, I like to talk about it and, it's it's a different crowd, you know, that listens to to really strip down acoustic guitar. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that's kind of uh, how it went. So I've always enjoyed, you know, folk music. I yeah, I grew up in the seventies and in the eighties. You know, when I was younger, and uh, my father, you know, I was surrounded by folk music as a kid. Yeah, my father was very much into you know, Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Buffy St. Marie, and Joan Baez, Donovan, you know, yeah. Nick Drake, uh, Phil Oaks, you know, like, so all these great folk singers. And, you know, as a kid, the last thing you want to do is listen to your parents' music, you know, because, mm -hmm. oh, it's not cool to like what my parents like, you know, so I was a metalhead you know, yeah. all the way through, you know, you know, my adolescence and through high school. And then, you know, I played heavy metal and, you know, in 94, things started to really change with heavy metal and it went in this really bad direction to me. And so, you know, I go looking for something different. And so I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm going to listen to these folk records, you know, and just kind of see what's there. Mm -hmm. And I think for folk singers, one of the things I love, you know, especially from these artists, was that they can say so much and it like lyrically heavy, heavier than some of the most heavy metal, you know, because yeah. the it's very profound and it's very, you know, sometimes even prophetic, you know, like in the stories that are evoked through folk music, like you're really forced to listen to it because when it's just a guitar and a voice, or even if it's just guitar, voice, bass, and drums, you know, mm. it's, it's, you're kind of not distracted by so many other instruments. Yeah, and then, yeah, yeah you focus on the lyrics and to me that's where i could tell who was really good and who wasn't you know what i mean because when you're listening to these lyrics you're like oh wow these guys are definitely better lyricists than kiss you know or you know yeah, whatever you know what i mean yeah, <laughs> so yeah. it's, you know it's this connection to the music mm -hmm. and you know yeah and so it's it's to me it's like you said when you meet someone who's into it you know i always enjoy it when i can meet someone who's into heavy metal or whatever but then also can appreciate 
you know, folk music, because it's like you said, it's a completely different conversation. You know, it goes, you know, instead of like, oh, that riff is so heavy or like, you know, that Iron Maiden song is nine minutes long and it's so incredible to, you know, you know, picking apart David Crosby lyrics, you know, and being like, God, have you ever heard his song? leisure yeah, yeah, yeah. and how beautiful you know so it's a total different focus exactly yeah for sure so I, I we, yeah. for me it's like uh it's probably my sensitive side you know where it's like whenever you're listening to van morrison or you know with friends and it's always a, a discussion that's about positive stuff and it's you know songs about love and just deep deep things and mm-hmm. uh, i can really relate to to that and it's uh, the authentic kind of thing as we as we were saying you know just guitar and vocals and you can't hide behind uh 200 watts amps you know mm-hmm. full blast that's kind of like uh you know you you it's uh you get to almost be naked when you when you mm-hmm. play that kind of stuff and uh and it's a challenge that i that is that it's also really re- re- that is that is also rewarding you know sometimes people come up to me after shows like really uh muscly dudes and they're like mm-hmm. it takes it takes balls to to do what you just did and that's like a big compliment because i feel like the opposite you know i'm up going up there playing uh soft chill chill out songs mm-hmm. and then you know so it's a it's a whole different thing and i still love uh rock and roll and all that stuff mm-hmm. you know soul music also so i listen to a bunch of different stuff but when i write like the way i can the best express myself is playing folk songs it's just kind of mm-hmm. like how it naturally goes whenever i want to be writing a song because uh you know, writing riffs, it happens kind of jamming and, and all that stuff, but you don't get the full picture of the song unless you have the melody mm-hmm. and some words. And for me, it's, it's easier through folk music because I don't have the voice of a, of a rock and roll singer also, you know. It just was more feeding to, to, to me. It's interesting because I feel the same way. You know, I've been playing folk music since 95 or so. And I've had a couple of bands and since then that were still kind of like folk rock, roots rock kind of bands. But yeah. I don't have a rock voice or a voice that mm-hmm. can, you know, cut through, you know, or that, you know, like volume. You know, when I was playing in my last band, that was something I could not get used. I was like, God, the, it's so loud. Why is it mm-hmm. so, you know, like I'm you know, I'm playing through a, you know, you know, a blues deluxe amplifier, my telecasters and mm-hmm. you know, through a PA with a bassist and a, and I'm like, everything is so loud, you know, and, and part of me really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I was like, I miss the kind of the sincerity and the simplicity of just me and my guitar, not having to feel the stress or of other music because you know when when you're playing that kind of music people are focused in on you you know and yeah i've i've been more nervous playing in front of 20 people solo than i have been 
you know, a hundred people with a band. You yeah, know? me too. It, it, that's exactly that. I've never been so nervous as some of the solo shows I've done. And with Blue Spills, we played for like up to 20,000 people. Yeah. So you'd think I'd be more nervous, but getting on stage, even if it's just a hundred people, but just solo acoustic, when, you know, you, you get to deal with a lot more uh, like psychological stuff, mm-hmm. like overcome, you know, just let go that, uh, you know, you can't hide behind anything. And if you're alone on stage, that's also a more pressure because, you know. But it's also so cathartic at the end of it. Like, I, I remember doing solo shows and I would be like emotionally exhausted, you know, because mm. and even though there's like a level of. Uh, what's the word of um, like energy or like you get that adrenaline. Mm-hmm. It's not that same kind of adrenaline rush when you're going out to play with a band plugged in, you know, because really it's like you said, it's, it's kind of intimidating. And, you know, the guy that you were talking about is right. I think it takes a lot more balls, so to speak, or that it's more, to go out by yourself with a guitar Mm -hmm. and not only when you're doing that, you're also sharing these songs that come from a completely different place. You know, Mm -hmm. you're not writing songs to, you know, like, you know, to kind of go back to like hungry ghosts. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I loved about that so much, well, first off was that I was pissed because it was only four songs (laughs) <laughs> there's and more to come there's more. i know and <laughs> but you know like hungry ghosts you know um yeah need to love and and actually hello my friend was the one that really right. kind of cut me really deep in a good way you know when you don't have those other instruments when it's just you know there, there's a vulnerability mm. to it and you want yeah. to listen you know you know, there's a big difference between, like you said, like Neil Young at Massey Hall. There's a big difference between the version of Old Man on that oh, yeah. one and then Old Man on Harvest. It's yeah. so much more painful and like vulnerable, yeah, yeah. you know, and like. And so I prefer I the, the live version. Like, yeah, I've heard Little it the I. most too, the, for me. Every song on the live at Massey Hall is better than the in the studio version, it seems. Oh, I think it's the best to me. Like if I'm going to listen to Neil Young, that's what I, that's the one I listen to. And, uh, because- and as you said, yeah, it can be almost painful or I don't know what word you, you were saying, but it gets you. And it's, uh, oh. it's not as much of a, you know, you listen to it while you're doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really cuts through something. And I heard it on the PA a couple of weeks ago. We were out on tour. So we were setting up a, a PA where we were staying, just listening to music. And we put on the whole live at Massey Hall. And by the end, I was kind of really getting emotional. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it really uh, does something that other music and doesn't do. And sometimes I'm, if I'm like, um, you know, more... Uh, like I listen to heavy music. You have, if I have that feeling, you know, you want to get out something, mm-hmm. but so that's less than, uh, than, you know, songs like, uh, like, uh, 
the ones on Naivet Messi Hall. Mm-hmm. There's a bunch of other stuff. I got some records here, but that's a that's a big one for me for sure. Kneeling on. You know, thank you for uh, what you were saying about Hungry Ghost and and uh, it's uh, it was really about uh, um, that intimacy, in- intimacy or yeah, yeah. You know, it's re- it's recorded live, uh, just one one microphone into tape, so there was really nothing. Uh, you know, it, there's no met- metronome or stuff to, to twinkle around. It, it was just really straight. I was playing the songs and. And that was it. And uh, so it's, it's got that uh, authentic quality to it. So uh, that's a good thing when I look, up, look back and listen, because uh, it doesn't feel like it's been over, overthought. That's always the, the trap, I feel. Nowadays, people just overthink everything and overproduce after overthinking, and you end up with um, none of the original feeling. And that's probably why I love the, the live records so much. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's just, uh, yeah, we did the, I got a record that's uh, going to be coming out. I don't know where, uh, when, but uh, we did it live. So that was, uh, I, I, can, I can hear that when, when I listen back. Um, so every, the drums, uh, keyboards, and acoustic was always uh, tracked live. Mm-hmm. So that's... Uh, It adds, it adds something, I feel. More, uh, it sounds more alive uh, than when you do everything, you know, what you can do with computers nowadays and mm-hmm. uh, eventually take the, the vibe out of the, out of the equation and you're left with uh, no feeling anymore. It's kind of a, it's a big trap, I, I think, for that kind of music that we're doing because it's, it's, it wasn't made in the computers uh, back in the days. Mm-hmm. it's really interesting because you know you can take technology you know and because i've i've made all my albums on 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 a computer you know using software because you know i don't have the access or anything like that to using analog or whatever but yeah. one of the things i discovered early on in doing this was that you can approach it in the same mindset and not overdo it just keep it simple like you you know i don't i I didn't put filters on anything i didn't do it like everything i did i kind of was like yeah when i was when i was younger there there there's a magazine that used to come out called tape op magazine yeah i know i know know about tape op yeah yeah. great and they have a podcast podcast in it now yes 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 And one of the things I remember reading, this was like around 2003, I think, which is kind of right around when digital recording, people were kind of starting to do it at home. You know, they yeah. were kind of moving from four tracks to, you know, and this specific article I read was this guy saying, you know, that you can approach it with the same mentality as you would if you were doing analog, like, You use a condenser mic, mic your guitar, you know, mm. play in a good room, you know, it, track your vocal on a separate track if you want to, or just use two mics or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, we were talking, I think the word I was talking about, I wasn't sure if you got, was vulnerability. 
And oh, I yeah, think, right. And, and and what what I mean by that is that you know there's a feeling of being exposed and mm. kind of being like letting your guard down, you know. Yeah. And so when I found recording solo that you know even through the computer if i just went straight in and left it alone you could capture that and i think mm-hmm. one of the things that i tried to tell people a lot especially some of my other musician friends is i was like you know it's kind of like anything else if you're going just because you have a lot of toys doesn't mean you have to play with all of them yeah, you know what yeah, i mean sure. like you know you can go in and just be simple and be unique and be yourself and, you know, do your best to kind of capture that vibe Mm. because, you know, when you're playing to a click, when you're playing to things like that, it does kind of strip this feel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It doesn't have that kind of like a natural flow. I mean, when we naturally pick up a guitar to play in our rooms, we don't play to a click track. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. So like, why would you do that for the sake of recording? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Is it because you're trying to perfect it or something? Like I'd much rather hear, you know, like your album, which I thought again, you know, going back to like hungry ghost, um, you know, a great folk uh, songwriter from um, the U S her name's Dorothea Cottrell. You know, right. she play, she sings for a doom band called Wind Hand. But right. then she put out this brilliant acoustic album that was like Buffy St. Marie. And it's like, it's got nothing but reverb on it. Mm. And it's so haunting. And, but it's got that flow. Yeah. You know? So with the new one, are did you kind of go into it with that same mindset as you did Hungry Ghost? Or? Yeah. In, uh, except that there was musicians, uh, accompanying me so mm-hmm. it's uh, it was mostly when we were uh, tracking the the record it was uh, we did live uh, me and uh, two of my friends their brothers in a band called uh, moon drag which is a uh, uh, drums and organ duo so oh, it's uh, okay they're they're it's uh, it's really prog they uh, they listen to uh, uh you know tarkus Immer- immersion lake and park and Palmer. <laughs> I'm struggling to say names, uh, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Atomic Roosters, that's uh, something we, I love as well. And, and I get into the prog, uh, really proggy stuff through, through them. Uh, oh, but yeah. they, also, they also, you know, when we were, uh, we were practicing, we were listening to a lot of Crosby, Stills and Nash mm-hmm. and Young, uh, Deja Vu. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was kind of something that we all loved because, uh, you know, as a, Everybody doesn't get into Nick Drake as easily sometimes as, you know, take step, steps. Mm-hmm. And also Pangle, you know, um, the band with Bert Yanch and John Ranborn. Oh, yes, yes. Pentangle. Uh, that was uh, also a big influence when we were just arranging the songs because they have a drummer and it's always acoustic based. So it was hard to, uh, it was the, the thing was to, to find something that wouldn't take away the the vibe of the song. It's kind of easy to ruin a folk song, I feel. You just add like a drum that doesn't add anything to the song. You know, it's uh, it's such, going back to the vulnerability, it's like mm-hmm. 
everything's going to be that way. So, so the two, the, the two brothers, they really get into the songs, you know, the story of the songs. And mm-hmm. so it's, uh, so we went into the studio after practicing just the three of us and uh, we did everything live. Then I, we did some overdub with a uh, Metatron and um, I did the vocals overdubbing and some, the backing vocals. Mm-hmm. So that was, uh, uh, so the, the main, the main tracks are live. So there's no click and there's no overdubs mm-hmm. on the, on the acoustic that goes through the song. Um, so that gives kind of a very, a live feeling. Also when we recorded the, it's, uh, three backing singers, uh, all friends of mine. So that's also mm-hmm. a cool, a cool thing. It was just going into the studio with all my friends, not finding people that just, uh, you know, are really good, but you don't know them. Mm-hmm. So then with the, with the singers, we, they all were singing live also as we were tracking in the studio, you know, it was not like a mm-hmm. one voice after the other and then the right. other. So there's this, uh, it's all kind of the mindset of doing it live as we would do in the, in the room. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there was maybe a little bit more thoughts going into it than hungry ghosts, not thought, but just time to mature. Mm-hmm. I feel like uh, I spend more time on the record to think through every lyrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was writing the, the hungry ghost EP, those songs really came through very quickly. So it's like every song was like written in the one one go and I wouldn't really edit. So there's some lyrics where even myself, I was like, I don't really know what this means, but it's just, it's, 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 you know, it, it just came through. So I just uh, didn't want to, you know, uh, overthink it. But then on the, on the record, I, I had more time to really just have a, each song has, has its own story kind of, Mm-hmm. behind the lyrics that it's not always apparent but to me there is a meaning behind every every word and uh, I had a couple of years to kind of let the songs mature mm-hmm. and um, and just uh, I wanted to there's piano Fender Rhodes percussions background mm-hmm. singers I, I didn't want to put too much but for 10 songs, I didn't want to do just vo- guitar and vocal. Right. Uh, so I wanted to just kind of have uh, show what the, the songs can be. Um, it, so it took, an, you know, it takes a, that's really what's the main difference because every, every person playing on the record brought their own energy to the, to the recording. So that mm-hmm. as uh, opposed to Hungry Ghost was really just me and Zach from Blue Spills. We were, Mm-hmm. It was just the two of us. Uh, he was recording, and I just played my songs. Yeah, and that was it. So, getting other people to to you know uh, play instruments adds something also a, a different color. And uh, I like to do we, it both ways, you know. Well, I think what's cool about that too is that you know you have your first, you know, and like to me, your your first is always going to be your kind of you know, putting your foot in the water, kind of, you know, and you're yeah. kind of testing it and, and not just for people who are listening, but for yourself, mm-hmm. because, you know, even for as long as I've been doing this, every time I, I, I have enough songs to record, my first thought is, is how is this going to feel? How is this going to, how am I going to feel about it when I've, 
capture these songs and then I go back and listen to it? Am I going to still mm. feel the same way? And, you know, it sounds like obviously you've grown over the course of what, four years since the release. What can you tell me about some of the influence or, or like some of the inspirations for the songs? Because, you know, four years is a good chunk of time to live, mm. you know? So what were some of the influences for the songs? And if you can tell me some, maybe some song titles that, that maybe you didn't have before for the first group of songs that you had written. Uh, actually, yeah, there's, uh, it's different meaning. I, I'd say the overall vibe, it's kind of like a journey through the dark night of the soul, you know? Oh, that's kind of like. Tell uh, me more. I like this. I like this. <laughs> so now, it's not just about getting me. laid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or getting high and you know, uh, yeah, you know, seeing so, dancing rabbits and stuff, you know. But uh, was, well, what is this? What is this dark journey? Like, where did it come from? Uh, I guess it was kind of like uh, what I was going through at the time. Uh, just the transition between uh, playing in blues fields for many years and having that comfort of. Just, uh, you know, being able to leave from music, uh, that was like amazing. And going away from that felt very scary. And at the same time, so I was uh, ending a relationship that was very important to me. And so that just my whole life changed and very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I could, feel, I could feel that coming, I'd say about six months before it all kind of crumbled. So then that was the period I, I wrote most of those songs. Uh, so it was kind of like really reflecting on why I, what, why I wasn't happy, even though I was basically leaving my dream. Mm -hmm. So that's what I mean by, you know, the dark, dark night of the soul. It's like your whole life as you, as you have, it just crumbles and falls apart. And you thought, you thought you were happy, but then there was something that that's still missing, you know, and you go right. through the loss and uh, and the pain of of change and uh, so there's there's all of that in in sort of that's the theme of the overall album and mm -hmm. some of the songs are more uh, more positive and and some of the songs are more about you know there's kind of a spiritual awakening happening also through mm -hmm. through the lyrics so it's uh, it's uh, it's get that that vibe. Um, there's some songs about grief, you know, losing, losing friends. Um, so that was just kind of like coming to term, you know, like things I couldn't express just in the day-to-day -day world. Um, psychedelic experiences. There is a lot in there, you know, that's inspired from those exper experiences. So it's like a, a, um, a mix of all that just uh, yeah, I don't know. The I, I want to call the album. It's it's not mixed, so it could be called anything. It's not out yet, but there's a song on there on there called "Children of the Moon," and I feel like it's a uh, it's going to be the name of the record because it's kind of a an easier song to get into, and um, there's kind of the moon is a feeling of the of the record. You know, it's hard to you know, there's like a um, up up in the in the cosmos kind of vibe on like 
at least half of the songs. So Children of the Moon is like kind of uh, feels like a, a good way to put all those, you know, all those ideas into just one, one thing. And when I wrote that song, it, it kind of, uh, for me, it's, it's kind of uh, about remembering the, the sacred in, in all of us. That's how I, so that basically when we're children, we're, you know, just uh, happy and very connected to the earth and everything that's, you know, so it's kind of, it's, uh, and, and then society kind of tells you what you should, should not do. And slowly, you know, things change. It's kind of, it's kind of remembering that, uh, that part of us. And uh, so that's the, that's the meaning of that song. Uh, and uh, yeah, now that I think about it, when, when we made, after we recorded the, we made the record, it felt like half of the songs had that moon uh, vibe, you know, how to say more airy and mm-hmm. percussion instead of, instead of full drums. So there's like the side A of the record that's going to be kind of more, uh, yeah, you can say it's kind of psychedelic folk, but it, people say, you know, it get, gets you high naturally, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of what people, their, their reaction. So that's like the side A of the record, and that's more the moon, the sky, everything. And uh, the side B is more, uh, when we were recording, we were like joking, we're going to San Francisco. As, so it's kind of like more, there's <laughs> organ and jamming. And so that's the sunny the sunny part of the record. So that's, there's those two sides, light and dark and moon and sun. Yeah. And um, that's, I love of, uh, that. So there's like a concept in a way, or like the, it's not just songs that I wrote. There's like a, yeah. So I'd like to, for the cover also to show the moon and the, and the sun, mm-hmm. all of that. See, I love that because I feel like the older I get, the more I'm kind of drawn to the dark, you know, and, and, and not even, and not in like a negative way, because there's this weird beauty about, about the the dark, you know, and about the dark uh, side of things or just like the dark mood of music, you know, it's, you know, it's like, you know, one of the things I loved is that, you know, you could listen to things like, you know, even within a band, like, like, like what's, you know, say like Crosby, Stills and Nash, you know, like you can hear, yeah. you know, sweet Judy blue eyes and teach your children, which are these beautiful, like, like you said, kind of San Francisco, sunny songs. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden David Crosby will come back with like Guinevere, which is, yeah. you know, that doesn't echo sunshine and happiness to me. That echoes like this darkness and, this this whole different place and when i love that you said something about uh getting naturally high um i've one of the things i've done i've always like said with a lot of music i listen to is that i know if an album is truly good if when i'm listening to it i feel like i go somewhere Mm. like with it you know that it can kind of you know, that, that when I'm listening to it, nothing else exists, you know, yeah, you get it. Yeah. You and, and that's not, it. yeah. And that's not the case with a lot of music, 
But when that does mm-hmm. happen, like that's a really special thing. And you can't try to do that. Like it has yeah. to happen like very naturally, mm-hmm. you know? And so uh, did you go into it like intending for it to be like that? Or again, was it just kind of like, this is how the songs came out of you? It was more the the latter, how the songs mm-hmm. came out of me. Uh, yeah, it was. It's more something I noticed as we, as along the this past year where I've been recording and uh, and then playing the, those songs live lately. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, the uh, the musicians, uh, the two brothers that when we were practicing, you know that I saw that they were the, the you know the songs were kind of. Uh, just everybody that heard it said they were, it was planant in French. I'm, I'm trying to, to translate that word. It's basically like when you're, you're getting high. It's mm-hmm. uh, like everybody, it's kind of, uh, yeah, the feeling they were getting, you know, they hear the songs, they're like, oh, it's, it's relaxing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it like, I saw that, it, yeah, they were taken on a journey that's uh, basically where I was at when I was writing the songs. So it, it makes sense. But I did not intend, I didn't think it through that it would uh, give people that experience. You know, it's like, it was really re- rewarding lately that I, I did some shows where people were really getting into the, the, the songs. And so it was just me. I did also just really straight up unplugged. So there was no, no mic, no nothing. Uh, just me, a guitar, and maybe 30 people. So it was like a small, really intimate mm-hmm everybody closing their eyes through the the entire set you know and a lady crying just really people afterwards were telling me stuff like uh when they closed their eyes they saw the cosmos and the plants like you know really trippy things actually were happening and there was uh, there was no drugs <laughs> just mu- just music and so that's been uh that's been really fun to see that people go on a on a journey with with me you know, and in, in, in with the songs. Uh, so, uh, yeah. And everybody doesn't get it, but when they do, it's, it's, it's great, you know. It's kind of a, it's, it's a special thing. It's not, about, yeah. uh, it's not about crowd surfing, you know, like rock, uh, rock crowd, <laughs> mosh pits and all that. It's a different vibe. People, yeah. Well, you did some shows after Hungry Ghost came out, like you did some pretty big shows opening for Miles Kennedy. Yeah. Um, the whole tour. Yeah. That was fun. Which was, yeah. that's pretty fucking crazy because those are some pretty big audiences. Yeah. Well, how did you, how did you get connected with Miles? Because I heard Miles was quite a fan of your stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it was a friend, uh, a mutual friend, Sharon. She's a booker in, uh, in the UK. Mm-hmm. She used to book shows for, uh, for Blue Spills. And she, were, she was booking that tour with Miles. Mm-hmm. And she called me up one day and really out of the blue, as I was putting out uh, Hungry Ghost, mm-hmm. just before the, the release, she told me about the tour and if I wanted to open. So that was like really like Christmas Day. I was like blown away and... Of course, I said, yeah. That's a pretty and, awesome first tour, man. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that was that was awesome. And uh, I learned a lot. And talk about being nervous for that first show. It was in Scotland, Edinburgh. Uh, 
And I was very nervous. So nervous that I had a natural vibrato, you know, when singing because I couldn't get my breath going uh, normally. It's pretty amazing when you think about it, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I never played in front of, I played a few shows acoustic, but I didn't have much experience as a, just a guitar, acoustic guitar and, and vocals. And right away, the, these were those uh, sold out shows, big, big venues and um and it was amazing. It was one of the it's one of the best tours I've done because the vibe was just incredible. I learned a lot. Mm-hmm. The shows was were great, and the whole the whole team with Miles, uh, Miles, and everybody was so nice to me. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was so great. So you said you learn a lot. Um, what did you um, did you learn a lot? business-wise or more as a performer and how to handle the larger scale audiences or was it both? Uh, more as a performer, I would say just getting mm-hmm. used to playing shows acoustic and it was just way bigger venues than I, that I ever played in that kind of, fest, you know, for that kind of shows. So that really taught me, you know, that uh, if I, even if I, up to this day, if I'm nervous for a gig, I, I think about, well, I opened for Miles in London in a huge theater where there's seats that were made for the Queen, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like those old theaters. So I played a solo show in that theater and mm-hmm. I made it, you know? So then if I'm nervous for a, for a tiny gig up down the street, uh, I, I, I think about that and I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be fine because, you know, it's, so it's really that experience. And uh, just being able to travel, uh, the we did the whole, basic a lot of European countries, mm-hmm. whole uh, like a whole month European tour, and uh, so experience and watching Miles every day, mm-hmm. uh, that taught me a lot because he's just the way he ha- he handles the crowd is amazing because mm-hmm. he was uh, part of the tour he was doing just solo and then he had a rhythm section for some songs mm-hmm. but he could really handle like a keep the crowd entertained for uh, 75 minutes straight and they wanted to hear more. It was really mm-hmm. like very good shows. And also the way that, that he is as a person, I really, uh, you know, he's so humble and kind. Um, just uh, very, very nice to me, very supportive. And that was inspiring to, to see someone that uh, he's, the singer for Slash, very successful, mm-hmm. and yet very down to her, to earth. And uh, we we talked about spirituality, different kind of things. You know, it was really um, easy to talk to and very kind. So mm-hmm. that taught that's me a, a lot. You know, also just on the right. human level. That's a great thing. Is that when you can connect with someone, especially if you're you know as as folk singers and you probably uh, yeah obviously i love that we can talk as folk singers because i yeah. totally understand yeah. the, the the gig here is that as folk singers a lot of times we don't have that opportunity to share a stage with you know other acts so to speak you know sometimes there there might be like another local artist or something and not that that's a bad thing but you're kind of both on the same level. And so yeah. there's really not a whole lot to learn or to teach, but when you get to play with somebody who is 
very seasoned, you know, and like you said, who is used to playing big crowds. It's amazing the things that you can learn. And this was probably maybe 13 years ago, maybe even 15 years ago. So I got, I got to open for my, my biggest idol. My inspiration is a songwriter from here in Atlanta named Kevin Kenny. And I, I, I haven't heard him. I got to check it out. Well, we have plenty to swap here, man. Like yeah, sure. we're going to fill each other up with music here <laughs> to listen to, yeah. but he's like this little Southern guy, you know, great storyteller, great singer. And I was playing with him in this really nice theater in South Carolina. I think there was about 300 people there. And right. I was sitting backstage and he came and sat next to me and was just talking to me. And he says, you know, how are the shows going? You know, how are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm doing good. You know, I was like, I'm pretty nervous because tonight's going to be the biggest crowd I've ever played in front of us. And, and he was like, oh, man, you'll do great. Just be yourself. And I said, well, I said, I also have a gig tomorrow night. And I said, which will probably 10 people will should be there. And he said, if that's the case, he goes, when you play to 10 people, play to those people like they're 100 people or like mm -hmm. 1,000 people. He said, no matter how many people show up at your show, give them the same show that you're going to give 300 people tonight. And yeah. that was such a lesson to me because I feel like as folk singers, it's easy to get discouraged when you show up at a show ready to play your heart out and there's 12 people sitting in chairs, four of mm -hmm. them are on their phones, you know, and yeah. Instead of getting discouraged, I always remember what he told me. And so my goal is to get those four people off their phones. Yeah, for sure. To, to, to connect. Hmm. So it's a pretty cool lesson when we can learn things from people like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. you were talking about touring. Like, so are you going to be touring more for this album i'm assuming you will and if so like what's the tour gonna be like um like is it gonna be uh, a, yeah a pretty big tour or is it uh, right now it's just uh uh outside of france uh this summer i have uh, some shows in germany so it's uh, a tour opening for black river delta it's oh, a swedish band yeah. Uh, they're a Swedish blues rock band, so that's going to be very fun. I'm going to be able to practice my, my Swedish a bit. Black <laughs> River Delta, and uh, we're playing, uh, I think it's about seven shows in Germany in May and a couple shows in September, and I have a festival also in Germany in July with The Wolf, you know, the, the Dutch band, The Wolf. Oh, yes, yes, I do. We're playing in the picture books, so it's a, it's a, it's a cool lineup. I'm looking oh, forward that'll to that. Be... So what about the release of the album? When That's are we yet... see that? I'm not sure yet because it's, it's still not mixed. I'm just uh, trying to figure out uh, the, the way to go with labels. And it's basically that uh, that's uh, taking time. So uh, as soon I'm, I'm hoping for this year, uh, hopefully uh, just, uh, you know, around after the summer or something. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's, it's still in the in the plans i feel like uh yeah it's never been easy to approach uh record labels as musicians but with covid it's just added 
uh, an extra level of uh, every every band seems to be wanting to put out a record and uh, because we have nothing have, else had, to do exactly they've had two years to, <laughs> to, to, to so it's 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 a tricky time in the business and uh, it's just uh, I've got it yeah the record is ready so that's a good I just got to get it mixed I don't have to I'm out of the creative um, mind on that record I started writing other songs but it's it's good so because it took me a few months at least of just constantly constantly thinking about it where I would not have been able to do much else you know it's just uh, a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, hard going into the record and uh, I did that was when we were in basically locked down so that was a good time to just be able to focus fully on on that uh, so hopefully it'll be coming out this year as soon as I get things sorted with uh, with the label and it's it was it's getting close but it, it always takes time you know to just get the the contracts and and then we'll have to get the album mixed so that takes mm-hmm. a little while but so what you heard is um, what I sent you was just straight out of the you know unmixed what what happened in the studio so that will be that will be polished you know well i'm those are those are sacred to me and so but all i can tell you is i'm 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 not a very patient person so i'm going to be harassing the hell out of you for more <laughs> <songs>. <laughs> all right the final mixes for the final yeah, i'm looking mixes. forward i'm very looking forward to put out this record because it's yeah. really it just felt like a something i wanted to do for a long time and um and I don't know, I, I, it, because it was the first full, my first full length solo record. I, mm-hmm. I put a lot of pressure on myself mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of, uh, you know, so it, it will, it will feel very good to finally share it to the world. Um, and meanwhile, I've been touring with a friend that's, uh, he's projecting documentaries. He makes documentaries. So we're doing, um, we're touring around friends showing his documentaries and then i'm i'm playing uh i'm playing the show so oh show, wow so kind of a, a new concept as uh all shows have been canceled lately you know for the mm-hmm. this winter uh and there uh, you have to have uh, the 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 pass and there's a bunch of restrictions so we just started to do things um at people's houses we've played uh at you know like a yoga studio uh different uh different healing uh, you know therapists a lot of different therapists because the documentaries are about natural uh healing remedies or sh- sh- shamanic uh initiations oh yeah, yeah yeah so it's also very fitting when uh especially when people watch a documentary about shamanism and then um, they can talk to to my friend who made the documentary, ask questions, mm-hmm. and they kind of started to get into that mindset of um, not very material things. And then I come and play those songs. Uh, then they, they that's when they really get into into the mood. You know, it's been mm-hmm. very uh, like it's not sold out shows of thousands people of thousands of people, but it's very uh, beautiful experience that you know, it can only happen in a way when there's nuts, there's a limited number of people and everybody's in the same kind of getting to that journey together. Mm-hmm. Of, uh, yeah. So people closing their eyes, 
letting go tears. Uh, it's been it's been good. Just but those are the some shows. But to me, those are the best. You know yeah. where it's yeah. You know, and it's funny because again, as we get older and as we kind of progress in our creative lives, you kind of learn that you know it's quality over quantity. You know, like. Uh, what was it? Um, this guy, Kevin Kenny, uh, he always has the best quotes. And one of the things I remember him saying to me, he said two other things. One of them was, I'd rather, he goes, I'd rather play to 10 people who were listening than to 10,000 people where 10 were listening. You yeah. know, like, yeah, I agree with him for sure. And another thing he always told me that I always connect with, he says, some of the best shows I've ever played were the ones that no one was there to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Like I've played some of my favorite shows to five people, you know what I mean? And where like, when you get done, you're like, if more people would have saw that, that would have been great. <laughs> you, know? <laughs> but, you know, you just always have to play from your heart, give everyone yeah. who's listening to you um, your full attention and, you know, mm -mm. pour out your, your soul. And like I said, you did that great with hungry ghost and I can't wait to hear what you're going to do with this next album. And it's, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a real treat to be friends with you and to always, connect with, I feel like we could talk for like hours about this yeah, stuff. <laughs> for sure. Whenever I, I come to the U S I'll, uh, I'll be sure to, to hit you up. We, we get a jam and, listen to some music that'd be fun i've got a big ass basement down here man like you know guitar I mean, you see my guitars you know it's yeah, yeah. You know, well nice. i'll get some friends over we'll have a we'll have a little show on the back deck man sounds <laughs> great know? that <laughs> like, sounds great but um man you know it, I'm going to have to make sure I get you some music you know some like some like kevin kenny and some of this other stuff yeah for out. sure yeah we and, get a yeah yeah and please send me some stuff too, like especially some. I'm, lo some I'm looking stuff at the, over there. The, the records I've got here. Uh, I got Graham Nash. I don't know if you've oh. heard that one. Oh, I love. One I of love. His oh, solo you know records. What? I saw him probably about four years ago here in Atlanta. And oh, he did, right. a, he did a solo tour that was just him. And a guy like that accompanied him on guitar, who was like an old friend of his. That right. he, I've that seen some live. Like 60. Yeah. It was one of the best shows. And he told stories in between all the songs about what the songs were. Mm -hmm. And um, and he played the song Cathedral um, that right. was off of the uh, Graham Nash, uh, the, the, the Crosby Nash. Uh, what was it? The Crosby Souls Nash album that came out like in 70 something. Right. Uh, he was talking about how he basically was just dropping acid and he went into this mm -hmm. church and he was just so overcome by all the stained glass and the light, you know, and I was like, you can't, <laughs> you can't beat shows like that, you know, where yeah. you get to hear that, that connection, you know, um, mm. are you going to be telling a lot of stories in between songs and stuff? Uh, and it depends on the on on the show, but lately mm -hmm. when I've I've been telling more of the actual stories, yeah, between the songs because I felt like the the people were really receptive, and it kind of then um, it helps them get the song, 
you know, I felt mm-hmm. the, the difference. If I, if I say a little bit about the song, what it's about, it felt like the people were getting more easily into it because they, mm-hmm. they have, you know, so I do, I do it uh, when I feel like, uh, yeah, yeah like it's the, the right thing to you know you get to feel it some you know oh. the crowd. it's really spontaneous mm-hmm. uh depending on, on how the crowd uh feels you know how they react to it you know you know living in the south uh so many um uh, you know, i think because you know i grew up in the south i grew up in new orleans you know and you know and then you know, moved from new orleans to georgia and so many of the singer songwriters, the folk singers, you know, everybody is a storyteller, you know? And so the kind of lyrics and even sometimes the kind of music that comes out of this part of the country is so different from the folk music that say is, you know, from the Northern part of the U S or even like the West coast, like San Francisco, because there's something about Tony Joe White. You know, you, oh you my know, god, uh, he is one of my all-time favorites. I've uh, been going back into uh, into Tony Joe White stuff lately. Yeah, it's good. as the crow flies. Oh my gosh, Soul Francisco, I, got, I love that song. That you is know. so good. So I got to see him too um, a few Me times. Too. I here. saw him once. He is so good, and it was so funny because I saw him here in. Uh, uh, I'm not holding you up too much, am I? By the way, no, no. Uh, okay. This is kind of off the record, man. Like I'm gonna right. edit this. This is us just talking right now. But um, sure. I, he he played here at Atlanta, and then the next night he was playing in Charlotte. And so after the after the show here in Atlanta, you know, I got to meet him. You know, because he came out after the show and was like signing autographs and stuff. And you know, and everybody was you know kind of older than me you know i mean and i'm yeah 48 man like so at the time i was like 43 you know mm-hmm. and and so to be 43 and to be one of the youngest people in an audience kind of tells you you know and yeah. um and and when i went to go meet him i kind of hung back because i wanted to be the last one you know so i wouldn't be rushed and right you know and i walked up and you know he shook my hand and he's like he's like oh you know i saw you out there singing all the songs man because that's that's really cool you know he has a very southern accent yeah yeah yeah. i had a graveyard t-shirt on you know and he looks at my t-shirt and he goes he goes graveyard man yeah i can dig (laughs) that (laughs) and i was just like and i was just like wow okay I i was like do you know i said i said i friends with a couple of people in a band from Sweden called blues pills, you know? And I said, and they did a cover of one of your songs oh, yeah. of elements and things. And he, and he like looked over at me and he goes, is that the band with the, with the foxy little blonde girl that sings? And I was like, Oh, yeah. shit. I like, yeah. <laughs> that's, oh that's a crazy story. Man. <laughs> and of course, again, again, this is just between us. I'm not sure. But it was, and he was like, he's like, Oh, is that the band with the, with the foxy little blonde that sings that? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, he goes, yeah, blues pills. Yeah. I dig that, man. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Thanks, thanks for the story. That's uh, that, that makes my day. Oh, but he was so great. Where of us covering his song is actually crazy, crazy to think about because he's basically uh, for me he's a legend of among the legends, you know. Ah, uh, I mean, to me, he was a 
yeah, he he was he was a big influence. I even wrote a song uh, for one of my albums uh, about twelve years ago, where it was called "Another Rainy Night in Georgia" instead of "Rainy Night right. in Georgia," yeah. and it was inspired by listening to Tony Joe White. And I had given him a copy of my that CD. And I didn't, you know, and he was like, oh, thanks, man. I'll listen to this, you know, and this is great. Thank you. And I was like, okay. You know, I was like, well, maybe he won't, you know. And then the next night I drove to Charlotte to see him in Charlotte. And he, and he, and he saw me after the show and he goes, he goes, you the graveyard guy, the guy that, <laughs> that foxy blonde. And I was like, well, I don't really know her. I was like, but you know, and he was like, yeah, he goes, he goes, that's cool. It's cool that you drove all the way you know, up here to, you know, see the show again. He goes, come on, have some, some good whiskey with me. And so he took me wow. to this, this little back side stage room and we had some whiskey and he goes, I listened to your album. He goes, and I heard that song that you told me about. He goes, that was cool. He's like, right. Wow. He goes, he goes, your voice needs a little work, but it was good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a big compliment when it comes from Tony Joe White. Oh, you know, and when he passed away, I was so sad, but it was one of those things where I was like, wow, like what a great, you know, moment. But, and I had totally forgot to tell you that Tony Joe White story the last time we talked and I was like, I've been saving it. Oh, so I would thank tell you, you. Like, oh, that's, that's, uh, that's really crazy. I had no idea he was aware of, uh, of our cover. And uh, we actually went to the, the time I saw him, it was in London and we went as uh, the whole band to see him. Mm -hmm. And that was in, uh, as far as I remember, it's the only show we all went, you know, while on tour, uh, we got the ticket last minute, like actually outside because it was sold out. So we just showed uh -huh. up, bought tickets, you know, however we could mm -hmm. and managed to get in. And uh, it was in a church in London. I can't remember the name of the church, but just, you know, really great place to have a show. And um, I remember I went to the bathroom. And there I heard his accent, you know, just I heard a voice that was like two octaves lower than like five octaves lower than mine. And just <laughs> unmistakable. Uh, you can't you can't mistake the, the accent. So I just looked over on my way to the bathroom and there he was just talking, you know, with a glass of red wine. Uh -huh. and I, I didn't uh, talk to him. I didn't want to, you know, just uh, I was kind of shy. Mm -hmm. But I remember just his voice and seeing him and I was just like, whoa, that's uh that's Tony Joe White. And then I went to the bathroom, but that's uh, crazy. You know, we were all at the show, you know, the, the and to, we had no idea he would call the Elin the Foxy Blonde. Uh, uh, you know, like, little did we know that he knew. <laughs> oh, it was, it, but it was just so funny because he was just very like, because like when I said the name, he like thought about it. He goes, Oh, is that the one? Is that the band with the little foxy blonde that sings? And I was like, Yeah, he goes, oh, then, Yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah, because they did a good job. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because actually, we the producer uh, he didn't want us to do the the song because he loved the original so much. He thought we, you know, you can't you can't cover something so great. Uh, so we almost didn't do it because he showed us the uh, that song. So he was, we were in the studio probably tracking the first record or maybe a bit later, mm -hmm. probably the first record actually. And uh, he played us that song. He had the record, you know, his vinyl collection in the studio. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that's then we wanted to, we started covering it. 
but it's uh, it's it's a very like I feel you know that I've done something uh, worth uh, with my life. If Tony Joe White her cover, I was a part of and thought it was cool. You know, that's just <laughs> something that will keep me up for a while as far as uh, continuing music as a as a path. Well, <laughs> I I love that because there really is nothing like you know being acknowledged. You know by you yeah. Know someone you you know you really look up to you know like this kevin kenny guy um when i had my band here in atlanta called collins drive probably about six years ago like just out of the blue he had my phone number from like when we first met and i had never talked to him on the phone you know i'd seen him at shows a bunch and he just called me up one day and he's like he's like and he talked like this. Hey, Don, I, I heard your band. You know, I think you guys are great. You know, he goes, he goes you should come play with me. And he had kind of like a a show where it was like Kevin Kenny and friends, you know, where he had like like five different acts. And, you know, we each played you know, like three or four songs. And then he played like at the end. Right. And at the very end of the show, he called like it was it was so unexpected. He called everybody from the bands up on stage mm. to do his encore with them, which That's is his cool. most popular song. And yeah. I didn't I was like, oh, my God. And I knew the song. Yeah, you know, luckily, mm-hmm. I used to play it all the time. But right. you know, when you get acknowledged by your mm. people, you especially songwriters like that, it it keeps you going. Like it gives sure, yeah. you feel like, okay, I'm on a, I'm on a good path. You yeah, know, that was the, that was the case with Myers Kennedy as well. When he, he was very, uh, very supportive and uh, liking the songs and giving me compliments. And that mm-hmm. gave me uh, some confidence, which you need sometimes, you know, I was, uh, especially with folk music. So when you get someone that really, is, uh, is one of, uh, of your heroes that says, yeah, this mm-hmm. is very good. It really, uh, it's, a, it's a very great feeling and that keeps you going. That's, uh, I remember the last show in, in London, um, that was the, one of the biggest shows. So that place where, you know, play a seat for the queen and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, old theater, uh, probably like 3,000 uh, people. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> I would have peed myself. <laughs> <laughs> it was the last show of the tour. So by then I was kind of used to playing uh, bigger places. Uh-huh. But I remember after the show, I went for a smoke uh, to kind of chill down, you know, uh, from the adrenaline of, uh, mm-hmm. you know, such a place. And so I was listening to music, chilling down and taking probably for like 20 minutes, you know, just uh Getting back to uh, you know when shows are so uh, so intense, kind of come when, down back to your yeah yeah. yeah. But when I went back, I went backstage, and uh, it's such huge places. So if you're backstage, you have no idea what's going on in the in the theater room, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there was a speaker, so you could hear what was going. You could hear the show from the speakers. Uh, right, so, right. So I go backstage, and the second I enter the room, he's playing. He's talking between two songs about how great the show uh, my show was and mm-hmm. you know just sa- telling a bunch of compliments so i'm just sitting there alone uh, in my backstage room hearing on speakers miles talking about my show and being so kind and supportive you know saying such nice nice things that was very a big uh, like a big moment for me because 
it was even, uh, you know, more special that I was not in the actual place, you know, that was happening. I just heard it through speakers because there right. were speakers, you know, it's, it's, it's a modern uh, theater. They have all hooked up. And, but that was a moment where that was big for me. Yeah. And he didn't have to say that, you know, which just makes he, it even better, yeah. you know, like, and where was that show at again? Where was that? That was in, in London, the, the Palladium. Uh, oh yeah. yeah. The Palladium. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. 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 That theater. Well, Dorian, it's great talking to you, man. All the, as always. And, uh, for sure. Yeah. Let's not Thank wait you. four years to do it again, man. Let's, let's do it when the album comes out and, uh, we'll definitely have some more to talk about. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. It, it feels great to, to talk to someone that, you know, gets it. Uh, and yeah, thank you. Have you gone through your pain? We see me again. Here once before